Hallelujah. My soul, bless the Lord. From my innermost being, right? From everything inside of us, let us rise up and praise His holy and amazing name. One, two, hands together. Extol Him. It's a call to worship now. We sing, rise my soul. Every voice. Rise my soul. There is glory to be owed. It's the beauty of the living Lord. God be praised. Sing that. God be praised. Fix your eyes. Fix your eyes on the only one who satisfies the time. The time is
surely be on my lips Let the afflicted hear Come on, let's praise him. Let's praise. Let's make his praise glorious today. Oh, come, Holy Spirit, come and flood this place as we worship you. With one voice to our one God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us a million reasons to praise you. So we fix our eyes on you now. Sing this up from the ashes. Up from the ashes, your love has brought us out of the darkness and into the light. Lifting our sorrows, bearing our burdens, healing
fix our eyes on him. Only Jesus. Yeah, this year, 2024, Lord, will we rise up in more strength together as we swing, sing with one voice, as we sing, God, with one heart, as we sing the one song, a God song of worship, a God song of adoration. Would you unify us, Lord, every stream flowing as one river? I love in the song, Psalm 33, the place of unity is the place that God commands a blessing. So Lord Jesus, we receive your blessing, God, but first, we come together as one. We come together with all our differences, God. We come here and unite under the banner of your love and look straight to you, God, as your kids, as your people, your sons and daughters, and we say that we love you. And we pray, God, that our praise would be extravagant. Would it, could it be passionate, Lord? Could it be glorious? Because you're worthy of that. You're worthy of that, of all of us, everything that's in us. We sing, make his parade glorious, glorious, glorious. Oh, for your great name, for your name is glorious. Glorious. Oh, make his parade.
his name is glorious, glorious, glorious. Our eyes are on you, Jesus. We're looking at you, Jesus. How beautiful you are. How wonderful you are. Stir it up in us, Lord. Just stir it up in this place. Open our eyes to see you more. Fill the temple.
As we come to give to the Lord of our tithes and offerings, I want to read you three verses out of Ephesians chapter 4. And I think these three verses are going to be crucial for us as the body of Christ, especially this year. I don't know if you know, it's 2024. I don't know if you know that they're forecasting a political dumpster fire this year. And I'm just here to say to you, we as the church will not be about that. We are going to vote. We're going to take it seriously. Do not squander the gift that you've been given by your brothers and sisters who went out to serve and to preserve that right to vote. Vote. Be serious. Care. Do not give yourself into hatred. Do not play by the devil's rules this year. So I just want to read you Ephesians chapter 4, 1 through 3. Paul is in prison. The stakes are high for him. He says, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. and Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now, church, will you read that with me? Three verses. Come on, let's pray this together. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. And make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And all God's people said... And so, Lord, as we give today, we pray that this year we would be different. We pray that this year we would stand out as a peaceful people. We pray that this year we would be able to give something back to our society, which is sanity, which is wholeness, which is composure. Lord, I pray that you would make us a joyful people this year and that we would carry a different story. And so, Lord, as we give today, we thank you that you're going to be the God that takes care of us this year. You lead us in the way of everlasting life. And we pray, let your kingdom come and let your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. And all God's people said, let's continue to worship as we give.
take three, five, just more seconds, just to be incredibly aware of the presence of God. There's nothing like it. I also feel aware just of in the new year, there's lots of folks who think, let me try the church thing. Or some who, let me try the God thing. And some of you are here today. I just want to say welcome. We're glad that you're here. Yeah. Really. And you might be thinking, wow, this place is kind of going for it. And yeah, we're Jesus people. We're totally hooked and we're not going back, you know. The, the raising of hands, you know, that might be strange. And it's biblical worship, yes, but to us, we were people who were chained up at one point. And God set us free. So what do we do now? We raise our hands in victory. Amen. It's who we are. So you are most welcome. Friends, we got Vision Sunday today. Pastor Brady's gonna come and give us a word of some stuff that the Lord's doing for us this year, in us this year. So before then, just greet one another, say hi to somebody in the name of the Lord, and we'll move forward. Thanks, guys. Good morning, New Life North. My name is Josh. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. And my name is Callie. If it's your first time joining us today, or if you're looking for more information about ministries here at New Life, you can click the link below or scan the QR code. If you're joining us on Facebook or on YouTube, go ahead and give us a shout out of where you're joining us from. We'd love to say hello. So let's grab our Bibles, grab our notebooks, and let's plug in for this message. Good morning. Happy New Year. So you give the old dad joke. Haven't seen you since last year. All right, it's a dad joke. So good to, good to see you. Welcome, everybody. All the in-laws are gone from your house. Somebody say amen. You made it. You survived. You thrived. You're here today. Glad to have you. I want to make a couple of announcements before we jump into our Vision Sunday message uh, this week. We've kind of set apart this week to pray our way into 2024. So every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, from 12 noon to one o'clock during the lunch hour, come to as many of these as you can. Our whole staff is gonna be there. Our team is gonna be there. We're gonna be there together to pray for what God is going to do in your life, our lives in 2024 in the rest in the World Prayer Center, okay? Also, this Wednesday night, 6.30, we have our first Wednesday service. This is my favorite night of the month. Let's pack the place out. Let's pray together, worship together, come be a part, bring your family, bring your kids. Listen, if you have kids, Pam and I made a commitment when our kids were very little, and they'll tell you this, every opportunity that we have to bring our kids into a holy place of worship and prayer, we did not miss the opportunities. It is important that you stand next to your kids in an atmosphere of worship, an atmosphere of prayer, and allow their hearts to be awakened to the things of God. This is why that we've crafted First Wednesday, for you to bring your family, for you to bring your grandkids, for you to stand alongside them and worship together. Listen, my kids grew up hearing me worship. They grew up hearing me pray. It's important for kids to, listen, they, you know the reason our kids sound like us is because they listen to us. Like if you go to the UK today, every little kid running around the UK has an English accent. Do you know why? 
because their parents have English accents. If you go to Louisiana, they all sound like me. Really Southern, That's, which is a proper English. <laughs> Y'all is a proper word. Why do we do that? Because we listen to our parents. So what, okay, if that's true in the natural realm, that your kids will sound like their parents, do you think it might be important for mom and dad to be together in a church, listening to each other worship and listening to, my, like my greatest goal in life is to hear Abram and Callie worship and pray like their mom and I. And that's why first Wednesday, that's why these lunchtime prayer meetings is why we do them, to give you that opportunity to grow your family, right? Does that sound good? All right, like seven of you, that's awesome. All I need is seven. We can take the city with seven people, that's all I need. <laughs> all right, turn in your Bible to Isaiah chapter 37. I have a word to share with you this morning. And some of this is uh, material that we've been talking about for 16 and a half years. That's how long I've been your pastor. I, I remember the first year I was here. I mean, we were in the middle of a chaotic crisis. We were holding on for dear life, not knowing if this place would ever survive another 12 months. Quite honestly, we had all those thoughts rushing through our mind 16 and a half years ago. But in the middle of that chaos, in the middle of that, all the, all the darkness, that we were feeling, the Lord gave us three words 16 and a half years ago, and I wanna reset these three words today. I wanna share these three words again with you. But before I get to that, I wanna show you in Isaiah 37, the, a prophetic picture, a prophetic word uh, that the Lord has given us as a church for this year. And I want you to take this scripture, and I want you to ask the Lord if it might not be a word for your family. I don't know how many of you are in a habit of doing this, I've been doing this for 30 years at my house, every, every January, usually at the end of December, I normally go away somewhere for a few days. I've already done that this year, I went away. I just kind of detox my body. I asked the Lord to speak to me. Listen, there's nothing magical about the flip of the calendar. Like all the stuff that we had, the anxieties, the worries, the fears that we had in December are still with us in January. It doesn't automatically go away because we're in a new year, right? So we still have to work our way through another calendar year with the same help of the same Holy Spirit. But normally this does give us a chance to refocus, to rethink about what God's doing in our lives. And so I asked the Lord, what are you doing at New Life Church in 2024? And this is the passage of scripture he gave me. Listen to what Isaiah 37 verse 30 says. It says, this will be a sign for you, O Hezekiah, O New Life. I added that says, this year you will eat what grows by itself, and the second year what springs from that. Listen to this, here's the word. But in the third year, sow and reap, plant vineyards and eat their fruit. Leave that up, because there are four verbs there. It says, sow and reap, plant and eat. Now, I don't know if you know this, but it was 2021 when the elders looked me in the eye and said, let's get out of debt. It's now 2024 in the third year. We're now debt free at New Life North. Thank the Lord. Can we just thank the Lord for that? Thank, thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> and the Lord says in the third year, sow and reap, plant and eat. And I wanna tell you what's about to happen in New Life Church. We are going to take ground for the kingdom of heaven in 2024. 
We're going to occupy some spaces that the enemy thinks is a stronghold for him. But I believe by the work of the Spirit, by the power of the resurrected Christ, there are some strongholds in our city that will fall into the hands of people who are following Christ and Christ alone in 2024. And I want to be counted among that number, right? I want to be counted among the number of people who fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who did not waver to the right or to the left, but followed his path, who found him, loved him, and worshiped him into this thing that God's doing. So I just say over you, if you own a business, starting a family, maybe you're in a new marriage, maybe you're a single person and the Lord is using you mightily right where he has you. 2024 will be a year for you to sow and reap and to plant and eat. In other words, go on offense this year. This is an offensive year. This is the year to be on offense. This is the year to ask the Lord about something new. This is the year to ask the Lord about expansion and growth. This is not the year to protect the status quo. This is the year to grow yourself, to maybe uh, educate yourself, read something new, expand your mind and heart, to, to try something new, to ask the Lord to take some risk. Take some holy risk this year. I'm not talking about foolish risk. I'm not talking about doing something foolish. I'm talking about doing something that requires faith. And faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of what? Things not seen. And so I'm just, I just believe I'm here today, all week long I'm just holding this in my heart for you, that don't, don't be discouraged by all the tomfoolery and chicanery that's about to happen in front of us. The world will always be populated with knuckleheads, but listen, we as the body of Christ have a mission and a mandate. 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave the church a mission, and that mission has not changed. And the blessing of the Lord will fall upon the bodies of people around the world, not just at New Life, but around the world, who have not given up on his mission. Do you know what his mission is? It's the great commandment and the great commission. And the great commandment was given to us before the great commission, because you won't do the great commission if you don't follow the great commandment. And the great commandment is actually the harder of the two. The great commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's the great commandment. It's where it all starts. In other words, when Jesus was asked, what is, can you sum up all of the law, all of the Hebrew law? He said, yeah, I can sum it up for you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And love your neighbor just as you love yourself. So he wasn't saying not to love yourself. He was just saying, love some other people too, right? So you're not excluded from this. He wants you to include some other people in, in your love, your care. And then he says, once you have that down, once you fall in love with people, once you care deeply about your neighborhood and the place that you work, once your heart is soft and tender toward the people of the mission field that you've been placed in, go into all the world, the Great Commission, and make disciples and baptize them and teach them everything Jesus has taught you. And that's who we are as a church. We are a great commandment church and we're a great commission church. And we will be that until Christ returns. We will not deviate from that. So Pastor Daniel said it brilliantly. It's not that we're, I will never ignore cultural issues because I'm very concerned. We're all very concerned about the culture and the, and the, the debates that are happening. But we're going to keep at the center of our worship at the center of our devotion, Jesus will always be centered. Christ and Christ alone. But you know why? Because Christ is enough.
Jesus is still enough for me. He is, he is the fulfillment of everything I've been longing and hoping for my entire life. So this morning, I wanna to talk to you about three words, and these three words make up the ethos of our church. So here's this word ethos, write this down. An ethos is the distinctive character of a group. In other words, what identifies us as new lifers, as followers of Jesus in this particular congregation? We have an ethos here at New Life Church. Let me ask you a question. How many of you would say that you have made New Life Church your home church in the last two years? Would you raise your hand if this is your church, but you're here two years or less? Thank God, thank you, welcome, by the way. We're glad you're here, I'm so grateful. Last year, we had a record number of baptisms in the 39-year history of the church. We had 604 baptisms last year. So the Lord is adding to the number daily those who are being saved. So I'm so grateful you're here, however you got here. But we have an ethos here, the distinct, put that back up, the distinctive character of a group typically expressed, listen, in attitudes, habits, and beliefs. Leave that up. These are the things that make up who we are as a people, our attitudes, our habits, and our beliefs. Now, we're all trying to redo our habits right now, right? Here it is, January the 7th. We're trying to eat fewer carbs, less sugar. And by the way, I'm on a 48-hour hot streak on that. <laughs> Not to brag. I need to be about 48 months. But hey, you gotta start with somewhere, right? So for the last 48 hours. And you notice the gym's really full right now, right? For those of you that go to that place. It's gonna be really full too for like probably three or four more days. <laughs> so just hang in there. By February 1st, it'll be empty again, all right? So just, but listen, we're all in that place right now where we're thinking about our attitudes, our habits. Attitudes and habits form your beliefs, by the way. Or maybe another way of saying it is our beliefs are a reflection of our attitudes and habits. But we all have attitudes. I've seen some of yours, good and bad. We all have habits, right? And we all believe something. So what is it about new life that forms our attitudes, our habits, and beliefs? These three words that I'm gonna share with you today. Here's the first word, and it's first for a reason. Worship defines us. We are a congregation that loves worship. We do not see it as a warm-up act for the sermon, it's not a karaoke for Sunday morning, it is a, a deeply held belief. For 39 years, this church has fell in love and welcomed the presence of the Lord. When I came here 16 and a half years ago, I remember my very first Sunday here, it was August of 2007. I walked in and I knew right away that there was a, an imprint on this place that God had put his hand on this congregation and says, I will bring my presence to these people if they're hungry for my presence, because they've been hungry for my presence. And for 16 and a half years on good days and bad days, and we've had both, we've had mountaintop experiences, we've had valley experiences here, but the one thing that has remained constant is our desire, our longing, our welcoming of the presence of the Lord. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but bands and guitars and drums and some of the, the sound systems have only been around about 100 years. I mean, guitars have been around longer, drums have been around longer, but the band, the, the thing that you just saw this morning really was not a part of the church until about 150 years ago. What, how did the church worship before then, for like 18, 1900 years? I'll tell you what happened is they would gather together in a group 
and someone would open the Bible, and not very many people had Bibles, but they had the Psalms, and they would read the Psalms out loud together, and while they were reading the Psalms, all the church historians would agree that when they were reading these Psalms out loud, speaking these Psalms out loud over one another, the glory of the Lord would fall upon those people, sometimes in a cave, sometimes out in a remote area, sometimes inside someone's house. But the presence of the Lord would fall upon a group of people. They would fall in humility and reverence. They would repent of their sins. They would confess the scriptures. They would hear the Bible being taught to them. They would come to the Lord's table. They would pray for the sick and they would take care of the poor. For 19 and a half hundred years, that's how the church functioned and formed. So I wanna go back to our roots today. I wanna to worship together with you out of Psalm 34. And I just want us to read it out loud over one another. Read it out loud over yourself. I'll lead you, but read it with me, okay? Psalm 34, verse one. Come on, join in with me. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. And those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. All right, verse eight is so powerful. Say it loud with me. Taste and see that the Lord is good and blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Thanks be to the Lord, amen. We thank the Lord for that. So what happens when we gather? When we gather, we place this high value on the presence of God. And I want you to start coming into these worship services expectant. Bring your anticipation, your faith, your longing, your hopes, your troubles, bring it all into the room and lay it at the feet of Jesus. And, and I want you to notice something about the songs that we sing at New Life. We are, we're very careful, I'm very careful about what we sing in here. And there's a lot of popular songs that I've never allowed to be sung in here, I just don't agree with them. Listen, it's, just because it's popular doesn't mean it's true. I thought I'd get like at least three amens from some parents in the room. Some of the parents need to amen that really loud right there. Just because it's popular doesn't mean it's true, right? And just because it's true doesn't mean it's popular. That's true, think about that for a moment. So most of our songs are songs sung to God about God. And I want you to, I want you to manage what you're allowing into your heart and soul during the week. Because I know you're worshipers, I know you're listening to good, worship music, but pay attention to what the song is about. Are you singing songs that are vertical in nature to God about him? The, the songs, you know, get rid of all the songs that talk about your feelings and get, get into your soul, into your psyche songs that elevate the nature of Christ in you to God about a majesty, majesty. That song we just sang a minute ago, crown him Lord of all. We're talking about to God, about God, right? Vertical worship. So why is this so critical to our discipleship? Why is it critical to our church? Because worshiping, listen, is an act 
of submission to God. I'm humbling myself. I'm coming before him with my hands outstretched, right? Why do we do that? Because I'm coming to him like a child. It's a childlikeness. It's a humility. Say, I have tried to be God. I'm not good at it. So I choose Jesus. I choose Christ as Lord. It's a declaration that his ways are better than our ways. His thoughts are better than our thoughts, right? It's coming before him like this. So worship is a, is a place where we have a contrite nature and then we lift our voice and we sing about the one who has rescued us. We sing about the one who found us when we weren't looking for him. We sing about the one who has healed us and redeemed us and restored us, who has cured our loneliness, who has been our friend, who has been our king, who will be our king, who will always be our savior. Worship is a part of our church. That's the first word. The second word is connect. I believe our church is called to a deep community. I want you to look at this scripture, Hebrews 10, verse 23. I think it speaks to 2024 more than any passage right now. This, this speaks to us where we're living right now as a culture, as a church, as a community. Hebrews 10, it says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. So let's hold on to that hope and let us consider how we may spur one another. Now let's just stop here for a moment. I grew up around horses, had a horse growing up. I, I, I was around horses and cattle, raised on my parents' farm, so we always had them. And there was a reason when you put spurs on. A horse, by its nature, can sometimes go to, in the wrong direction at the wrong pace. A spur and a rider knows how to put the horse in the right direction at the right pace. Is it possible that human beings are not much different? <laughs> that we can look up one day and we have drifted off our mission. We have drifted into bad doctrine. We have drifted into maybe some anxiety, some worries, some fears and doubts. And we need somebody in our life who will gently not, not in a, a cruel way, not in an angry way, but in a gentle way. Spur us back to the right path. Keep us moving in the right direction at the right pace. So this word spur is not a violent word. It's actually a kind word. It's a corrective word, but it's done out of kindness. Listen, the people that love you the most will tell you the truth. Right? They should be telling you the truth. And all of us in this room need those kinds of people. So let us consider how we may spur one another on toward what? Love and good deeds. And I love verse 25. Let's not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Leave that up for a moment. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Listen, coming to church is a habit. It's a conviction for Pam and I, but it's also a habit. In other words, on Sunday, we're not sitting around our house on Friday wondering what we're going to do on Sunday. Like, we already made up our mind. Now, I know you say, Pastor Brady, it's your job. Well, that's right, but when it's not my job, you'll still see me at church. Because one day, this will not be my job. And I'll be sitting with you. And I want you to watch my life then. Because I have a habit of being in the body of Christ. Listen, the average American Christian today, this is a report from last year, comes to church one and a half times a month. That's 18 times a year. Now you can see why we have a discipleship problem in the world if you're only in the body of Christ about every three or four weeks. 
What are you doing the other three and four weeks? You're hearing things that are contrary to the gospel, contrary to Jesus. So I wanna give you a 2024 challenge, okay? And I will take it with you. I want you to attend church 40 weekends a year. 40 times I want you to be in church this year. Now that's 12 Sundays for you to do whatever you want. You wanna stay home and watch your Broncos lose, you do whatever you want. <laughs> okay, they're gonna win, they're awesome. They're gonna win every Super Bowl for the next 10 years, I get it. De delirious, I know, right? But I wanna give you a 40 Sunday challenge. Pam and I are in church 40 to 45, there are some Sundays we're on vacation, but I would say probably the last 25 years, we're in church 45 Sundays a year. Sometimes even on vacation, we go to church somewhere. We're, we're in the body of Christ. Why? Because it's a holy habit to us. It's something that forms us and shapes us. And I don't always like it. I don't always agree with what's being said. I don't always like the songs. I don't even like, I don't even like some of the people I meet. But, that, but that's, that's why I have to come. Because it's sharpening me. It's, it's, it's knocking the rust off me. It's reframing me. It's recalibrating me. Listen to this, it let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the final day approaching, the last and glorious day when Christ returns, as you see that day approaching, when you see the world get troubled, when you see the end of all things being brought before you, don't neglect being together. I believe a congregation is formed by the Holy Spirit to become a community of believers who are always making room for others. Now, with that comes a contract that you need to agree to. So I wanna give you really quick, I'll go through this really quickly. There are five contractual agreements that you need to make if you're going to connect with the church, okay? You ready for these? Number one, I will live in community because I cannot mature as a believer without other people. You have to, you have to agree with that. Like I, I need other people. I need people older than me, younger than me. I need my peers. I need people who are smarter than me. I need people who are wiser than me. I need people that I can help. Maybe they need my wisdom, they need my expertise. I need people though. And some of you are trying to live a solo act. And Christianity was never meant to be a Lone Ranger experience, right? It is meant to be lived in community. So I, I choose to live because I cannot mature without it. We have to say that out loud to really believe that. Or right, here's number two. I will find community and not wait for others to find me. In other words, be proactive. I'm going to find a group of friends. You need to say that out loud. I'm going to, I'm going to go out and make myself available. I'm going to find what's going on and I'm gonna show up and be a part. I'm gonna sit at a table with somebody and introduce myself. I'm gonna invite people over to my house for coffee. I'm going to go I'm going to invite people to dinner. I'm going to get in myself into the messiness of the community. I'm not going to sit here and wait to be invited. I'm going to do the inviting. I'm going to be proactive. All right, here's, number three is kind of hard, okay? So bear with me. I'll make room for people different than me. Do you know how polarized our country is right now? Have you been paying attention to this? I just read a report that most American Christians don't even know an unchurched person. They don't, not, they don't have any deep friendships with people outside the church. You don't even know, like lost people, people that are a long way from God, who maybe are antagonistic about God. Do you know those people? What if they show up? What if they have wildly different views than you? It's okay, right? 
I mean, you don't, listen, I made, I've known this for a long time and I've gotten in trouble for it all my life, but I realized I don't have to compromise my convictions to be kind. Just because I'm kind to another person doesn't mean I've somehow compromised my convictions about Jesus. My convictions about Jesus and the scriptures are rock solid and unchangeable. I'm never going to veer from that, but I'm going to be kind to the outsiders. You know, this is why they got mad at Jesus too. They got mad at Jesus for hanging out with prostitutes and sinners and tax collectors. In other words, the government, right? <laughs> Okay, okay. <laughs> All right, but when they show up, listen, when they show up, I'm not gonna fight you. I'm not gonna argue. Listen, nobody that I have ever met said, Pastor Brady, someone, someone argued me into the kingdom of heaven. I got into an online chat and we went at it hard for like three weeks, calling each other every name imaginable and suddenly, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I came to Christ. You can't fight people into the kingdom. You love people into the kingdom. And when they show up here at New Life Church, when they show up here, love them. Love the heck out of them. Be kind. That's a low bar, by the way. Just be nice. Listen. Don't judge. Just listen to them. Let them talk. And be a listener. And, but you know what happens over when they realize you're just a good human being that cares deeply about them, they'll start asking good questions from you. And you'll look up one day and they'll ask you how to follow Jesus. Make room for people differently. Okay, number four, I will live at peace with people. Stop the fussing. I'm a, be, listen, the Bible says their lips were smooth as butter, for their heart was full of war. I wanna be a man of peace. I want the peace of God to umpire me. Therefore, when I'm around other, I spoke this at Christmas Eve, I know you don't remember it, but it was really good. When, I, when I'm at peace with God and when I'm at peace with myself, I can be at peace with other people, right? So I will live at peace. All right, number five is really, really hard. Again, a really hard one. I will not be surprised by knuckleheads, by imperfect people. Tomfoolery, chicanery is going to happen when you get in these groups. Listen, there are weird people 30 feet from you right now. <laughs> Don't look. They're, they're on your row, I promise. They may say things that like, I can't believe they just said that, or I can't believe they think that. I can't believe they, that they even thought about that. I, I, that is shocking to me. I thought I could never be shocked again, and I was just shocked. That pe those people are going to show up in those communities. Have grace for them. We're all redeemed knuckleheads, right? We're all, we've all been there. So don't be surprised when it's messy. Do you know why the Bible says where two or more people are gathered together, there he is among them. You know why he had to come? Because they were fussing. He's refereeing. That's why Jesus shows up when two people are hanging out. Don't, don't let it be a surprise to you. I want you to make a, a commitment this year to go deeper into the community. Invite people to your house. Go, go on a missions trip. Do something that deeply forms you and engages you into the culture of community, okay? Worship and connect. Here's the last one, I'm almost done, is serve. You're gonna hear this word. I, I believe this 100%. I don't think that there's anything that we can do 
that gives more pleasure to our God in heaven than when he sees his children here on the earth sacrificially serving another human being so that they may flourish. I don't think there's anything that's more godly and more holy and more pleasing to the Lord than when we give something sacrificially, our time, our expertise, our money, whatever it is, to another human being so that that human being can flourish. I think, it, I think there is a, a blessing from the Lord that is largely untapped in the body of Christ. God is looking throughout the earth, looking for someone what, whose hearts are fully committed to him. And that person is serving. They're serving without any notice. They're not posting it on Instagram. They are humbly, sacrificially giving of themselves, surrendering themselves to another person so that other people can flourish and other people can thrive. That's the essence of serving is doing something in the name of Jesus for the sake of Jesus so another person can have what they need to survive sometimes. I wanna read this to you, this is Matthew 20. Jesus called them together and he's, what he said, he said, you know it's the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Notice the language here, that it's top down, it's over you, it's dominating you, it's oppressing you, it's controlling you, it's making you do something. And we've all felt that, right? We've all felt that kind of leadership. We've all felt that kind of thing over us where we're being pushed to do something, lorded over us. And it's no, nobody feels good after that. He said, but there's a new kingdom coming. A new group of people that I'm forming on the planet that will turn that upside down. An upside down way of viewing power. I'm not using power to lord over you. I am using power to serve you. He said, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. All right, let me ask you a question. When we stand before the Lord on the great and final day of judgment, and we all will, what is it that we want to hear him say? Well done, my good and faithful what? Servant. That's what we want to hear. And we do that by serving. He sees that in us. He says, whoever wants to be first must be your slave. And listen, like 300 million people in America right now wanna be first. I mean, have you seen this? Everybody wants to be an influencer. Everybody wants to be at the top. They wanna be famous. It's pandemic. It's not the kingdom of heaven. He says, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to what? Serve. Now listen, this is the last part. This last portion of this scripture is the reason that should arrest our heart, should soften our, our resolve. He says, but to give his life as a ransom for many. Listen, I am one of the many. I am the one he ransomed. You are the one that you've been ransomed. You know what that means? That you were held in captivity and you were set free. The word ransom means a payment was made for your freedom. Ransom is payment for freedom. And Jesus says, my life was the payment for your freedom. Now, now that you're free, spend the rest of your life freeing other people. Spend the rest of your waking hours not forgetting the prison that you were in and helping others get out of the same prison that you had you captured. 
In other words, to serve is to lay aside our sense of entitlement so we stop demanding. Listen, here's what I want you to think about all this year. How many demands are you making versus how many ways are you serving? Are you serving more than you're demanding? If your demands outweigh your serving, there's something out of balance in our lives, right? Serving will make your demands seem cheap anyway. Once you start serving the needs of other people, you'll look over here at these list of demands you've been making on people and you'll realize how foolish it is, how immature, how child, I mean, why, would I, why was I demanding that when I have the opportunity to serve? So the last thing I'm gonna share with you is John chapter four. And this is so deep in my heart, guys. I'm just, I want it to become, I want it to become the center cord of our church's existence. In John chapter four, Jesus has just spent some time talking to a woman at the well who had been married several times and the man she was with now was not her husband. And she was a outcast in her community. And for Jesus to be sitting alone in the middle of the afternoon, talking to this undesirable woman was scandal. Yet here Jesus was going out of his way to find the one that everyone else had dismissed. He had gone to the very margins of the culture and found this woman alone and shamed, full of guilt and remorse. And guess who Jesus finds? He finds her. And he talks to her about the kingdom. He offers her living water. And now all of a sudden she realizes she's talking to a prophet. She's talking to the Messiah. And about that time, his disciples come back with food that they'd gone out to get. And he looks at these disciples, remembering his moment that he just had with this woman. And he says to these disciples, do not say four months and then the harvest. New Life Church, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. Colorado Springs in El Paso County is ripe for the harvest. And it is our responsibility, it is our great mandate, it is our privilege, it is our honor to be the carriers of this grace to a world that is starving and hungry right now. He says, even now, a reaper draws his wages. Even now, he harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. He says, thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. Leave that up for a minute because I want to say something to the longtime new lifers who are sitting in this room. I've only been here 16 and a half years. The church is almost 40 years old. And I'm eating fruit from a tree that I did not plant. It was your faithfulness 30 years ago. It was your giving, it was your prayers, it was your service. You're the ones who walked the neighborhoods of Briargate praying over this place. You're the ones who sowed and sacrificed. You're the ones who served when no one was looking. And here I am today, and here the rest of us are today, enjoying fruit from a tree that you planted. You watered it. It's bearing fruit now and we're so thankful. Can we thank the Lord for the saints that have gone before us? I'm grateful. Look, look at verse 38, I'm almost done. Verse 38, I sent you to reap what you've not worked for. Listen, there's a grandmothers right now that have been praying 20 years for their grandkid. That grandchild lives in Colorado Springs. Grandma lives in Iowa. She's been praying 20 years for her grandchild to meet you. 20 years of prayers are gonna end up with you in front of that kid at a King Supers one day. And that, that, that kid's heart is really close to coming to Christ. And there you are. 20 years of grandma's prayers have led that kid to you for a 30 second 
meeting. Listen, keep this in mind. This should, this should wake us up every morning. Father in heaven, I want to reap where I did not sow. I want to, I want to be a part of a miracle story that's been 20 years in the making. I sent you to reap where you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. New Life Church, we're about to see thousands of people come to Christ. Last year, 604, record number of baptisms. That is just the beginning of what the Holy Spirit is about to do all, not just our church, churches all across America are about to see this harvest, okay? I need you to wake up thinking about it. I need you to wake up praying about it. I need you to wake up with your heart moved with compassion for people, looking for opportunities to share good news with someone. And I believe that when we become that kind of church, we will never lack for resources at New Life Church. We will never lack for anything. The Lord will provide all that we need to accomplish this work. Would you say amen to that? Stand up with me this morning. Let's pray together. Those of you who serve at the table of the Lord, would you come on down and be ready to service in just a moment? Let's pray together. I want you to think, just take a moment right now. Let's start this today. I want you to think of a family member, a friend, someone you work for with, some, some friend at school, and you're not judging them. You're not, by, by saying this, I know some people have said that sounds judgmental. I'm not judging anyone. I don't, it's Jesus who decides who's born again or not. I'm just saying you know that they are a long way from God. There's nothing wrong with saying that. We know that they are, they need Jesus. All of us have been there. So I want you to pray for someone that you've been, that you've been concerned about. Maybe a child, a prodigal, a grandchild, a friend, a neighbor. Can we just call on the Lord right now for salvation to happen, a miracle to happen in their lives? Father, we, we wanna be a part of this. Father in heaven, I want to be a part of the harvest that is coming. I wanna be a part. I pray when you're looking around the world and you're looking for churches, communities that have not given up on the gospel, I pray that we would be numbered among those churches that have not given up on the gospel. We believe in the miraculous transformation of the human soul by the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe that those who are lost can be found. I believe there's not a pit deep enough that Christ can't find them. There's not an alleyway dark enough that Christ can't find them. There's not a prison cell so remote that Jesus cannot find them. Father, I pray right now by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you call those who are far away from you to come back? Just as the prodigal son found himself feeding pigs and suddenly his heart came alive and he started walking back toward his father. And when his father saw him, he ran toward him, wrapped his arms around him. And my son who I thought was dead is alive again. Come, let us celebrate. Father, I pray that this would be a year of planting and sowing and reaping and harvesting. Father, I pray that this would be a year that we see the lost come back to Christ. That the church would come alive by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray this now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you're new to New Life, the way we come to the table of the Lord almost every Sunday is we are, we're gonna worship together. And while we're doing that, the ushers will give you instructions. Can we just thank the Lord for our ushers, by the way? They are the, the real heroes of our church. I love them so much. I appreciate them. They serve so faithfully every Sunday. You never see them, you know, but they're just, they, they make things orderly and I appreciate that.
So come and take the cup and the bread and go back to your seat. Let's worship together. And Pastor Daniel will come in just a moment and lead us. Come to the table.
Can you open your communion elements and be ready to receive? I want us to do a little bit of work with our imagination here as we come to the table of the Lord. Could you close your eyes with me? Think about those people that Pastor Brady invited us to pray for. The ones that we are longing to have back home. We're not praying this from a place of pride like we've got it all together, but they're, we're, trying, we're trying to stay close to Jesus. There are people who are just way out in the far country. I want you to imagine the day when they come home. And I want us to eat this meal today by faith. I want us to eat this meal today with expectation, with intercession, with yearning, with longing, but also with joy. That great day when from a long way off, we see him coming home. And so Lord, right now, we thank you that you were patient with us. Oh God, you were patient with us. And we thank you that you're patient with them. And we pray even today that you'd begin to just awaken the desire for home. Awaken the desire to make the long journey. We call them home today. Jesus, we anticipate that day when they're finally at the table and the smile and the laughter and the delight. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. And as often as you do this, remember me. And so Jesus, we remember you today. We receive you today. We love you today. We worship you today. Friends, you may receive the bread. Jesus on the night he's betrayed, he lifts the cup of wine. There's celebration in the kingdom of God that we don't even know anything about yet. <laughs> He lifts the cup of wine. He says, this cup is the new covenant and it's given in my blood and it's given for the remission of your sins. And as often as you do this, remember that God is not mad at you. Friends, today there is forgiveness, there is celebration, there's joy, there's relaxation. Receive the forgiveness of Jesus today. And now let's worship our way out of here. Come on, let's worship. Let's sing it together. On the morning that you all of heaven held its breath Until that stone was moved for good For the Lamb that conquered death And the dead rose from their tombs And the angels stood in awe For the souls Hallelujah! The rod of And the church of Christ was born 
you open your hands today to receive the blessing as you go? Lord, make us your church in Colorado Springs. Make us your faithful people. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive. Help us to be ready for that person whose grandma has been praying for 20 years. Give us tender hearts to welcome them this week and to love them. I pray today over this congregation that you would bless them and keep them. You'd make your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them. Lord, smile big on all of us today and grant us and all of our people peace, we pray. Shalom today in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said. Can we give God thanks for what he's done here? What a day. A few things before you race out. Hang on one second, okay? Prayer team is coming down. If you need prayer, come on forward. This week, Monday through Thursday, in the World Prayer Center, 12 to 1, weekly prayer. Come join us. And then first Wednesday here on Wednesday night at 6.30. Go from here in God's grace and peace. Much love.